Yes, my name is David Grossberg, and I'd like to know, do you think the children of illegal aliens should be allowed to attend Texas public schools free, or do you think that their parents should pay for their education? Who are you addressing that to? I think you're first in this. Uh... He was looking right at you. <laughs> I said he was. <laughs> Look, I'd like to see something done about the illegal alien problem that would be so sensitive and so understanding about labor needs and human needs that that problem wouldn't come up. But today, if those people are here, uh, I would reluctantly say I think they would they would get whatever it is that they're you know what the society is giving to their neighbors. Look at me, mommy. I'm strong. I'm beautiful. I'm black. I'm strong. I'm beautiful. I'm black. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Every Shade Podcast. Gina Langu Ni Nina, that's Swahili for those of you following. I've decided that the language of the African continent in a couple of years will either be Swahili or Yoruba, so I'm learning both. That excerpt you heard was of former President George Bush in a debate he had with Ronald Reagan in 1980. Believe it or not, they were talking about the same thing. Building walls, stolen jobs, school places, taxes, health services, hospital beds, who will pick our strawberries? Who will serve us coffee? Who will care for our parents in the homes we stash them in? As far as we've come with everything, and I mean everything, climate, ESG, technology, orbiting the globe, Japanese sex dolls, self-tie shoelaces, some of the most fundamental pillars that society grapples with haven't changed at all. Not even a little. Today, we're talking about expats, immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, illegal immigrants, aliens, illegal aliens, invaders, interlopers, skilled workers, employment visas, H-1B tier 4 people. Call me what you will, but all I want to do is work. Let's play a little game, shall we? It requires full honesty on your part, and I know I'm not there, so you'll have to keep yourself honest. When I say expat, what picture comes to mind? When I say immigrant, what do you picture? I had a little breakfast gathering a few years back with some very, very impressive people in the corporate world, and as part of the opening of the session, I asked this question. What is the difference between an expat, expatriate, whatever you want to call them, and an immigrant? And a very politically correct response was, People who travel specifically to work and already have said job confirmed before they even arrive in that new land, that's an expat. And an immigrant is moving primarily to live, and most likely for a longer time. So basically a work visa versus other visas. Fair enough. So my next question obviously was, what about the domestic workers who can only arrive in a country if they have a job in hand? In Hong Kong, where I live, there's 400,000 foreign domestic workers. Next door, Singapore, there's 250,000. And if I went a little bit further, I would say 350,000, give or take, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi alone. All of whom moved to these markets for the sole purpose of work. Are they expats? And the other people who travel to the Middle East and to Asia for construction work, are they also expats? The 30-something-year-old man from Boston who sells beads on the way to the ferry? He's got a sign that he scribbled on a torn half of a box that says he needs your help to fund the rest of his travels across Asia. Is he an expat or is he an immigrant? He says he makes those beats by hand, but I've seen him. There's an English-sounding lady now who plays the violin outside of my train station. Is that the job that she came here for? When I lived in London, I don't recall Chinese workers being referred to as expats. They were highly skilled immigrants who managed to snag a tier one or two or whatever number was going at the time visa. And also, what does it mean 
that immigrants don't work, that they show up here by virtue of not primarily traveling to this new land for work, that they just mulch on sofas and live off of the kind teat of the land. Teat. <laughs> you don't hear that every day. Is that what people think? If you moved somewhere with your spouse or a significant other and you worked and they didn't, are you an expat and they're an immigrant? Or do they get immunity from that terminology by virtue of all that marital bliss? Is it a pay range? Everything above an average check is expat. Or is it your outfit? A suit and tie is an expat. Probably not, because that would leave out all the techies in their jeans and their graphic t-shirts. A more cynical response in that room was, white people are expats, everybody else is an immigrant. I mean, so cynical. These people, right? Is it the length of your intended stay? The old school dictionary definitions really only differentiate with the word permanently. An expat comes for a short period, and an immigrant comes forever. Is that really it? The expat who's lived in Bali or Bangkok for the last 20 years, bumming on the beach, is, is that person still an expat, or have they now metamorphed into an immigrant? I don't know where y'all stand on it, and which one of you got a perfect score in your TOEFL. In my day, it was TOEFL, not TEFL. Test of English as a foreign language. <laughs> Isn't that rich? And maybe you can enlighten me. If there were two queues at the airport on arrival, and one said expat and the other said immigrant, which one would you find yourself gravitating towards? You always see those interviews in short clips where some reporter is interviewing a brown person from somewhere asking them why they came to this country. And the person says, I moved looking for something better. Expat or immigrant, isn't that what we all do when we leave for other shores? Aren't we all just looking for better? Why else would you leave? Money, experience, adventure, love, new start, running from a crazy ex-boyfriend, that is not a personal story, I'm just saying. We all just want better. So why is it that one person's pursuit of better is so much more threatening than another's? Nina, who cares what people are called as long as they can get where they're going and work? Thank you for asking, Nina. That is a great question. There's a very clear privilege gap between the people defined in both camps. There's a dichotomy that extends from how you get treated to how the press refers to you, to who they want kicked out first, and whose face is on a poster when people are voting for migration reform. When Mr. Farage tried to convince the British voters of the flood at the doorstep, he did it with a poster of brown folk crossing the channel with the words breaking point, I think it was, leave the EU now. He connected the concept of fleeing migrants, illegal migrants, refugees, asylum seekers, to good, all legal, above board, of my own choice immigration. And so now, in the mind of the oh-so-willing xenophobic individual, there is now no difference between people fleeing some sort of war or conflict and coming to your country and the individual who comes across from the EU legally to work. We're all the same. We are at a breaking point. We can't take any more refugees or asylum seekers. That word, refugee, such a dirty word now, isn't it? A word that once only meant one who flees to a refuge or shelter or place of safety has now come to mean something so... I can't even say it. And then there are the debates. Oh, we'll take 5,000 Syrians. Oh, no, thank you. In our magnanimity, we see your 5,000 and we raise you 6,000 refugees. Congratulations. The world curtsies and kisses your hand. Basically, a fart in a windstorm is what you've contributed. Because there are over 26 million refugees in the world today. And before y'all jump down my throat, I am not asking these nations to take in more people. Oh, no, 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 definitely, definitely not. I'm saying maybe be quiet a while so that the countries that are really making a difference can speak. Sometimes the best gift you can give the world, baby, is your silence. I should put that on a postcard or a bumper sticker. After Turkey, guess what country took in the most refugees in the last two years? It wasn't the United States, and as sure as grass is green was not the United Kingdom. It was Pakistan. And who gets the title for number three? Is it the generous borders of France, Senepa? It was Uganda. I was looking at the top 12 nations that host refugees to see just how the list correlated with the countries that moan and whine about it the most. Of the 12 countries that take in the most refugees, Germany is the only one that you would term a high-income country. It's also the only one that doesn't neighbor any of the countries from which it is they have refugees. 
There's a population of 1.2 million refugees in Germany. The others on the list for your homework and your <clears throat> introspection, kind people, because how else will we learn? Sudan, if you would believe it, Lebanon, Ethiopia, Bangladesh, Iran, translated to Iran, Jordan, the DRC, Chad. The population of Chad is somewhere in the region of 18 million. Just to put the whole thing into perspective, Chad has uh, half a million refugees. I lived in the UK for a while, and that's a place that is very often prone to decrying the number of refugees that they take in. Their total number is 230,000 to Turkey's 3.7 million. I had a dear friend, American chap, complain bitterly about the number of Syrian refugees being allowed into his backyard. He fully sympathized, obviously, with their plight, but didn't think them coming to the land of the free and the home of the brave was the right solution. In 2022, 4,500 Syrian refugees were allowed in America, up from 1,200 the year before. So most of the people who are fleeing some disaster, internally or externally driven, don't all run to the shores of Europe and America. The floodgates have not yet opened. You are not being consumed by refugees. Take it down a notch, people. These people in dire straits generally take their shelter in neighboring countries. And the irony of the whole thing is that the countries that people flee to often have their own crises that they're dealing with that's displacing their own people. Take, uh, yeah, let's take Chad. Let's keep on the, the example of Chad. Half a million refugees from neighboring Sudan and, and some from the Central African Republic have made it into Chad. Because of insecurity in Chad, a similar number of Chadians, I think it's Chadians, let's go with Chadians, are also internally displaced. When people say they want immigration tackled in their country, what do they mean? Whose face do they see? What are they including in this definition? Is it illegal immigrants, legal migrants, refugees, asylum seekers, or is it expats? They're just words, but why do some of them have such a brown, uh, I mean, a uh, dark cloud hanging over them? Refugees. 26 million people at least are running from something. They've left their home, their possessions, their families, not because they want to, because they had to. And so my encouragement to myself today is... There are worse things in life than being an immigrant expert. Until next time, it's every shade.